0: go 1. The package is being delivered.
1: Hello, cyber listeners. This is Motherboard Editor-in-Chief Jason Kebler, and I'm here with your normal host, Matt Galt. Hi, Matt.
0: Hey, how are you doing?
1: Thank you for uh, giving me the keys yet again. Huge mistake, as always.
0: Typically, yeah. Typically, yeah. Precludes disaster, but we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, I was going to do, um, I was going to try to imitate you and be like, intrepid reporter matthew galt went to the mr landlord convention but there was a twist something something but uh my dramatic reading is just it leaves a lot to be desired I, I made a tiktok the other day and i was reading off a script and i had to do it like 45 times and so since we're recording this live on twitch uh i figured that i would spare everyone and would just dream of consciousness it out uh but you are a guest today what's yeah. it like to be in the uh, in the hot seat
0: it's very weird especially because I'm still running the board while you're hosting. So I've got like half of control, right? So I can yeah. I can like pull up an article or I can make sure that that's just you or it's just me, but I, I have no I'm not steering the ship as far as the conversation yeah. goes and that's very odd. That's very It's
1: anecdotal. kind of like you're the captain still like you have control of the reins, but I'm just like shouting at you what to do exactly. and you have to decide whether to listen or not.
0: Which is not unlike uh, a normal work day.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh we are going to talk today about who has power in society and who does not, uh, notably landlords and the power that they wield and the position that they hold in our society and what that means. And the reason we're talking about this is because we sent you to the... 21st Annual Mr. Landlord National Landlord Convention in St. Louis, lovely St. Louis. Uh, you are there for three days at the beginning of the month. Uh, Matthew, what is the Mr. Landlord 21st Annual National Landlord Convention extravaganza?
0: First of all, sir, it's the 21st Annual Mr. com National Landlord Convention. So, the Mister, <laughs> I won't. I won't do it too many more times. I will do it a few more times. But the it's a landlord convention. It's a place where um, around 200 landlords from all across the country uh, gathered in St. Louis at a crappy hotel convention center and discussed tools of the trade, uh, built each other up, talked about the coming recession, um, and tried to sell each other things. And there were sponsors there and. Mr. Landlord himself, Jeffrey Taylor, was there leading the festivities. Um, And it was just a place where landlords gathered, commiserated, and schemed. Schemed and really, uh, almost from the very beginning, talked to each other about raising rent and how important it is to raise rent. um, And how they're all in this together and that they need to make sure that they're getting those rents up to market rates because COVID has been hard for everybody Gosh darn it. And this COVID more this this eviction moratorium has been terrible for them. And it's time to get those rents back up. And they right. noted, like there's such a supply and demand problem with housing that it doesn't matter if tenants can afford it and they have to leave. Someone else is going to come along. So that is right. the broad That's, strokes of what uh,
1: it was. That is the broad strokes of what it was. I want to talk about uh why we sent you to the Conference. I'm probably just gonna call it the Mr. Landlord Conference from now on. Uh it's nothing but respect to Mr. Landlord, but it's a it's a wordy title for a conference. Um and why we thought it was important. And then I want to hear all about it. So from my perspective, I, I feel like landlordism uh is having a moment in our society, for lack of a better term. Uh landlordism obviously one of the oldest professions. Uh popularized i believe during feudalism this is that correct more or less
0: that is correct more or less yes uh
1: and still still pretty feudal type society type system we have today um i feel like landlords have become a meme to some extent like they have become a symbol of class warfare of income inequality of sort of like the investor class uh as well as just like A symbol of wealth inequality and and sort of like labor and how many many people work for a living and then there's like a an entire other leisure class that uh just collects money all day and watches other people pay their mortgages and watches their net worth go up um that is sort of like why i found this to be interesting and i am on a subreddit called r slash uh, love for landlords which is a semi satirical or perhaps fully satirical uh, lan- uh, landlord subreddit that is full of memes about quote land chads and land stacies um, and their disgusting rentoids who are obsessed with Funko Pops and can't pay rent and they consider like landlords to be a protected class uh, who should be called actually Housing providers, because they're performing a vital public service, providing housing for people. Um, This is a subreddit that is satirical, but is also sort of like hits a lot of points that we see landlords talk about in your article where they are constantly sort of under attack. Uh, They're constantly sort of being maligned. Uh, They're the backbone of society in many ways. And without landlords, we would all be on the street. And so on that Love for Landlords subreddit, I saw a satirical post about the about MrLandlord.com, which is this website. Um, so I think that sets the stage a little bit. I saw this, and this is not a satirical website. This is very much a website that is still up and around in 2022, Year of Our Lord 2022. Uh, and we saw that they had this conference coming up, and I was like, we simply must go. So, um, Matt, can you tell us who is Mr. Landlord and what's going on with his website?
0: So Mr. Landlord uh, is Jeffrey Taylor. He's a landlord that's been in the business for four decades. Um, Had this website stood up pretty early, uh, to hear him tell it at the convention, uh, he had his children build it for him or his son built it for him. And it is kind of the epicenter of his empire. He, you know, when I talked to him, I did get to talk to him personally for a while. Um, He said that, you know, he does this convention. He still feels like he's a landlord at heart. That he's just a, he's a housing provider that is doing a good service for the community uh, by providing a place for people to live. So this kind of, this kind of began as his background is that he was a teacher um and this began as like a website that he st or it began as a newsletter that he was sending out to fellow landlords for ticks and tips and trips, ticks tips and tricks. He branded himself Mr. Landlord. Uh then launched this website, mrlandlord.com, Um and began He
1: launched a newsletter first, right? Like a newsletter printed first. newsletter. Yeah, and yeah. I actually
0: have uh when you go to the conference, this is very exciting you get
1: I had no idea you had physical paper
0: Oh yeah they I get a whole packet you get a copy of the newsletter so there it is it's still in, still happening still in print
1: It's beautiful It is
0: beautiful uh, it's it's pretty like in depth it looks like a nice little zine it's well printed but um, the this is a place where, where like cuz there's all sorts of things that go into landlording that you don't think about there's all sorts of forms and government regulations Um, it's,
1: it's difficult work. We respect nothing but respect.
0: It's, uh, it is. And it isn't because a lot of, one of the themes of the conference was trying to automate as much of it as possible so that, uh, you can not have to be completely hands off. Uh, one person actually said, um, you'll never get rich answering, uh, phone calls about broken toilets. Uh, was a fun quote from one of the, one of the people. Um, but anyway, so Mr. Taylor launches this newsletter, then launches this website And the website becomes a place where he can not just, like, gather landlords together and talk to them, but also sell them things. Sell them things like, here are the rental forms that I use. Here are the techniques that I use to get rent out of people and, like, manage my properties. Um, This kind of spins off into a series of conventions. Now, there is this 21st Annual Mr. Landlord Convention that I went to. Uh, but there are others. There are cruises that they go on. There are uh, vacations that they take uh, in tropical climates where they all gather and kind of do the same thing. Um, and then like one of the crown jewels, I think, of this website that we found endlessly fascinating is the forum. Right. And, and this is just uh, this the forum. This is the what the forum looks like. This is the forum. You, I mean, you, I think it's probably you can barely see it. So, I mean,
1: this is an artifact of like, this is internet archaeology. Uh, for those who are listening on the podcast to describe this website, it is, it's like pre geocities, I would say, in terms of its aesthetic. It's like Yahoo newsgroup, white background, black text, forum threads are on the left side. Um, you know, the discussion area is on the right side and it, it looks like either an email newsletter, or, like news group or, or something like this. And it's like, I went on the internet archive. This is exactly how the forum looked like in 1998, which was the first time that the internet archive has record of Mr. Landlord.com. But all of these posts are from like this week. It's like a, it's a shockingly active forum still to this day. Um and i'm going to read a list of a couple of the threads that we saw uh here are some thread titles quote cancel rent movement quote Concern neighbor reporting debt tenants from hell fake renter moves in use for poison ivy question mark That one was about uh, how landlords should consider putting poison ivy on their gates of their properties so that people can't get in. Um, And then someone posted, quote, some people are immune to poison ivy. I would use more traditional methods like razor wire. Another one called garnishment success, which is about wage garnishing uh, for someone who wasn't paying their rent. Um, Another called, quote, eviction reason, which is... Uh, obviously like reasons to evict people another one called quote raising rent another one called immigrant application uh and and my favorite this is my favorite i think uh quote rude entitled renters so (laughs) it's it's like pretty bleak um like everything else there is obviously an online community to anything that has to really any community that that exists on the internet and landlordism is a community. It's a group of people who are trying to share tips and tricks. Um, it's just very interesting to see it on a website that looks as though it is a fossil. Um,
0: yeah, it was kind of like, that's really what, one of the things that drew us to drew us to it, right. Was just how frozen in time this particular website was everything else has been people update things all the time. And it looks like Mr. Landlord has just been kind of building on this website since 1998 to the point where a lot of the links, when you open them, it doesn't, it just launches another tab as it's a standalone WordPress standup. Right. It's so it's interesting.
1: It's really a rabbit hole and, and more of like a web than anything. Like it, there's just, His web presence is endless. There's like a YouTube page. Most of the YouTube videos have like four views. Um, You know, there's, as you said, there's a website for the cruise. There's a website for the retreat. There's a website for something called the Landlord Bootcamp, which is a more intensive version, like training situation. There's a website for the forum. There's a separate website for a lot of the different forms that he has. Um, He also has all these sponsors that, expose sort of like a landlord internet, uh, like series of economic and business opportunities for landlords. Uh, There's like a locksmith service. There's a debt collector service. There's obviously like various softwares for keeping track of your rentals, stuff like that.
0: Yeah. And most of those businesses were present at like almost every single one that you mentioned were present at the convention itself so the way the convention worked, there was, like, the, the hallway outside of the convention hall, and they were all set up right there in booths. In uh, the first day, Taylor spent a lot of time trying to push people to the sponsors and saying, like, hey, make sure that you go out and talk to these folks. Give them five minutes of your time. Talk to them. Um, and he had a, they had a system set up where uh, you got tickets if you talked to one of the sponsors long enough. The sponsor would give, them, you'd give you a ticket, and they had raffles throughout the convention for various different prizes and things. You could win like books written by some of these landlords. Cause they've all got a book or a system or something they're selling or mugs and like tat stuff like that. Right.
1: Right. So Matt, broadly speaking, it's like I had preconceived notions of the types of people that would show up to this conference based on the forum, which is like to be kind, um, a an old school type of landlord, like ones who, uh, are, are spackling over the walls and calling it a repair, like stuff like this, people who, who haven't updated their refrigerator in 30 years. Um, but so you went, yes. What was it like?
0: It was, I, I tried to have, I tried to go as like brain empty as I possibly could going in. Um, they really lived up to all of your expectations. It was kind of shocking how cartoonish it was. They were exactly the kind of people that, uh, that you expected them to be You um, can't very, very obsessed with their image, uh, making sure that, uh, that they're being represented well in the press. They're very concerned about government regulation um, and very concerned about getting rents up as high as possible and not worrying about the morals or ethics of it. I mean, it was kind of incredible because basically the way this thing was structured was a series of lectures. that, like Mr. Taylor led everything and talked between every guest. And it was a series of lectures delivered by different people, either landlord or landlord adjacent, uh, throughout the three days of the convention that would run about like seven or 8 a.m. Somebody is saying that we lost audio. Is this test test? Did we lose audio? Okay. I'm so sorry. I can hear you. Okay. I think they, I think they did. I think I set up the OBS a little bit wrong. Um, So it starts, it's, the convention would start around seven and it would run until six, six. They would break for lunch and then they would come back at eight and at 8 PM, they would do brainstorming sessions and these brainstorming sessions. Uh, Mr. Taylor would lead and he would ask a question to the audience, and then the landlords would go up to the mic and they would answer. It's like an information sharing session. It was more informal, but Mr. Taylor was always uh, there and present and kind of ringleading the whole thing. And all of these different speakers that were happening between like 7 and 6, they would talk for between an hour and two hours. And it was always about a
1: really long presentation.
0: (laughs) They were very long. They were very long presentations. I mean, the thing was running from seven to six every day you'd break for an hour for lunch. And it, but it it was, you were there a while. Um, and they were, it would be stuff like, like there was a guy, one of the scariest guys named Mike Warren, who is not a landlord himself. But what he does is he buys judgments from landlords. So what happens is, uh, let's say you're, you're a landlord and you've got a problem tenant, and you need to evict them, and they owe you three back months' rent. Uh, you go to the court. The court says, "All right, this guy owes you the money. He has to pay you." That's a judgment. That's what that's called. The 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 a court levied fine. Court levied the court saying that someone has to pay the landlord. Um, so. In practice, these debts can be pretty hard and oftentimes even expensive for the landlord to collect on. Mike Warren goes and buys the debt from the land, from the landlord for pennies on the dollar and then goes after the original debtor. And that's like his whole business. Uh, and he was advocating things like in one of the, the, the most shocking pieces of the whole thing that really – solidified a lot of this to me. Uh, was, he was explaining that it's legal in most States for you to repossess people's pets to collect on a debt because the pet is technically considered personal property. And to believe his words were, uh, who do you think people uh, like fluffy more than their kids? So if you go after fluffy, you're going to get your money. Um, and to the landlord's credit, a lot of them groaned at this, but so people like Mike Warren would give their, give their spiel. And then at the end of it, Every single one of them, they had a system where it's like, you want to learn more about how to do this? Well, go to the back of the room and for $1,997, a lot of the prices ended in seven for some some reason. I'll sell you a discount. Yeah, I'll sell you uh, this book and this CD system that will give you all the information you need to know. And so there was this guy, there was uh, a person that was. Teaching you how to navigate the different legal regulations around things like lead-based paint um, and bed bugs and medical marijuana and all the different state laws that you need to know when you're dealing with rental properties. There was a guy who uh, would teach you how to use an elaborate system of trusts to avoid legal and fiscal and tax responsibility for your various properties. And I, I, I wish I could have gotten more of this guy in the article because he was extremely fascinating. Um, one of his one of the things that he would talk about is making sure that you name the trusts appropriately so that you scare people off. Uh, so it'd be things like if you're if you are in South Florida when you've got a bunch of rental properties, rental properties there, make sure you name the trust that owns all your properties, the Medellin trust. because if someone's looking to sue you and they pull up your trust who owns this property and they see Medellin Trust, They'll make a connection to drug lords, and they won't want to sue you. Um,
1: right, Medellin being the city in Colombia associated with Pablo Escobar.
0: Correct. Uh, he said things like um, the it it some when you're when you're paying a contractor like fix a roof in the eyes of the court somewhere but the direct quote is somewhere between the the shingles and the ground they become employees. So, but if a trust is paying that person and the trust gets sued and you don't, um, he said to make sure in the eyes of the law that you are a failure because failures don't get sued and use a system of trusts to do that.
1: Well, I mean, this is a, this is, I don't know that much about this, but I do know that, um, you know, if you're a landlord or a property owner, you can take what's called depreciation, which means claiming that your house is depreciating in value because you know it's getting older and thus you need to like fix things and like you can essentially pay much much less in taxes like trump was very famous for doing this um like on all of his properties and on the trump hotel and stuff it's like you take depreciation and then you don't have to pay taxes and um yeah i i want to cut in here because We were talking a little bit about why we think landlordism is relevant right now. And it's like, obviously there's a housing crisis. There is, um, just not nearly enough houses in the United States to house all the people who we need to house. And there's a severe lack of affordable housing. And there's obviously been just like sort of skyrocketing, um, house prices over the last couple of years, which has trickled down to, to be, to lead to really high rents, like rents are at record rates right now. I think very recently, uh, the average, uh, I think one bedroom rental in the United States surpassed $2,000 a month, which is a record. Um, and so I wanted to talk a little bit about that, but I also wanted to say like, to me, it seems like the people who are at the Mr. Landlord festival i'm gonna call it festival now uh conference where uh sort of like old school landlords which i already said but it's like people who many of whom have probably been in this business for a long time where their families have been in this business like you write in the article that there's people who are like second and third and fourth generation landlords they were kids there who were learning to landlord so they could like take over from their parents Uh, but i did want to talk about Something I've noticed as someone who's tried to learn a lot about money the last few years because I didn't know anything about money. So basically the way that I did it was I just started listening to every podcast I could possibly find that was about money um, and then sort of figured out like, okay, which ones of these make sense? And I will say that uh, there is the financial independence retire early movement, which is this sort of internetty movement uh in which you try to save as much money as possible, uh cut your expenses as low as possible and then retire early and you don't ever have to work again. And a core strategy for a lot of people in this movement, which is really just like an intensive saving and investing strategy is to become a property owner and to become to basically get a lot of rental properties is what they call them. Uh and then Airbnb it out or rent it out or so on and so forth. And it's like these people are tech bros more or less. They're like very online. They're often posting like strategies on TikTok. They are podcasting constantly. There's like a financial podcast industrial complex where they all go on each other's shows over and over and over again. They sell eBooks about how to get your first rental property or investment property. They share information about how to do it, how to like make it look nice for Airbnb, how to market it, stuff like that. And it's like, landlordism is uh it's just like a hot thing it's something that people who make a lot of money who like maybe have tech jobs and have some money to invest it's like some people invest it in gamestop or bitcoin other people just like buy a rental property in indianapolis and rent it out and i said indianapolis as like just seemingly a random place but like no there are podcasts that are like Buy in Indianapolis because Indianapolis right now is like underpriced for multi-unit fam- like multi-unit homes. It's like a good place to buy, and it's like it's really it's really interesting how these sort of like tactics spread throughout the internet. And I was wondering if that sort of talk trickled to the Mr. Landlord convention because, despite the fact that this guy has a really interesting web presence they don't strike me as people who are like super online. The ones, the ones who you wrote about, at least not in the way that we typically think about it, where it's like they're branding themselves and so on and so forth.
0: No. And that was really fascinating. Uh, actually like that particular aspect of it, because he like Taylor, at the beginning of the conference, explained that he didn't know like what TikTok was, and he knows a lot, a lot of landlords are using TikTok right now, but he's not sure how you could use it to make money. Um, there were a couple much, there were a couple of younger people there that were kind of independent uh, that were tr- trending towards that way, but this was way, this was very much old school. These were people that they were talking, they they had like a big discussion during one of the brainstorming sessions. About which website software to use, and like, how do I get a website? Like, how do I put it up? And like, they hadn't heard of Squarespace. Like, someone had to get up and explain Squarespace to them. It was that level. There wasn't kind of that youthful energy until the end. Until the end, there was a woman who uh, was was actually was not like wasn't super young, um, but she's kind of fascinating. Name was uh, Jennifer Donley. She bills herself as the queen of Section Eight housing. Uh, For people who don't know, Section Eight is like you get uh, you're getting government assistance for where you live. Uh, You get a voucher from the government uh, that helps pay some, like sometimes all, sometimes just part of your rent. Um, and what she does uh, is she said, "All right, she looked like because landlords hate Section Eight housing. Um, They have a negative view in their brains of what those tenants are." Uh, And they let Jennifer know while she was giving her speech that they thought that section eight housing was bad. Um, Jennifer only does section eight. And what she does is she saw, she's like, all right, this is an underserved market. No one wants to rent to section eight people. Um, So I'm going to come in. I'm going to get a bunch of property. I'm going to get it nice. Like most of the section eight housing properties available are terrible. So if you put just a little bit of effort into them and make them nice, you can get tenants in. And a lot of times they will be tenants forever and she's like, hey, I was fine during the eviction moratorium because guess what? Those people weren't paying their rent anyway. It was all government checks coming to me. It was fine. And on top of that, uh, she had. I kind of looked into her presence. She is one of these people that is going on all of these podcasts, like you're talking about, and talking about this kind of stuff. And she uses a lot of technology that she was explaining to the landlords and was blowing their mind. Um, like She doesn't show properties personally at all. She has uh, remote locks on all of her properties, uh, all the all of her doors as they call them.
1: Yeah. Doors doors, doors is what it's used on, on podcasts a lot. That, like, how many doors do you have?
0: Yep. Uh, so she has, uh, smart locks on all of her doors. And what happens is she's got somebody that's coming in, uh, that is going to view the property They she gets gives them a temporary code that works for an hour. They go in, they look around themselves, they leave. She's like, and everyone is just, everyone in the crowd was just thought this was awful. She's like, look, nobody's ever, maybe somebody's going to, you know, rip me off or break something one day. It hasn't happened yet. Like, and I saved so much time and energy (laughs) by not having to like go and show these properties. And she was forward thinking um, and was much less, uh, she's in that Finn world, but was much less uh, abrasive and scary as these you know more so than these old school landlords and I caught up to her and I talked to her for a while and she was she was fascinating and had um didn't have super pleasant things to say about the crowd she wasn't mean but she uh, she's like you know these are dinosaurs and these are the kinds of people that give landlords a bad name all right cyber listeners we'll be right back after a brief word from our sponsors All right cyber listeners this is Matthew and we are back on talking to me about the 21st annual mrlandlord.com national landlord convention.
1: You you sent me um one clip that you took that was striking. There are a lot of striking clips and a lot of very uh confusing and horrifying charts and graphs. Uh, <laughs> horrifying both in in their content as well as their graphic design. Um, But but the one that stuck out to to me was landlords talking about uh, COVID and sort of the eviction moratoriums that were put into place both by the federal government as well as state and local governments. Um, There basically the theme of this conference was like it's time to move past COVID. We're going to get over COVID. We're going to get back to landlording. And it's like obviously landlords didn't stop landlording during COVID. They continued to landlord. People continued to live places um but as i understand it landlords see the eviction moratorium which kept millions at least hundreds of thousands of people in their apartments and housed in safe places um presumably safe places safer than living on the street um during covid when a lot of people lost their jobs uh they see this as like a deep moral failing of the government and sort of the system uh because they are small businesses um, in their minds. They're small businesses and they struggled during COVID. And all of these tenants got, not only didn't have to pay their rent, but also got stimmies. So they got stimulus checks. And then the quote is like, they went and spent those on doodads and we got nothing. Yeah, uh, I guess doodads referring to just like gadgets and electronics and stuff like that. Um,
0: yeah, one of the somebody chimed in from the crowd at that moment, uh Marlboros and Budweisers
1: exactly yeah, um, and so the the general thought is like landlords should have been getting uh landlords should have been getting the stimulus sex directly, and the fact that they weren't was a great injustice, so uh, do you think that this was like a commonly held belief during this conference? It's deeper than that.
0: Um, it's even deeper than what you're talking about that, that they're talking about in that clip. Uh, because this was this was a question that I asked every single person I talked to, whether it was a formal interview or whether it was uh, just casually talking. And to a person, weirdly, except for Jennifer, <laughs> to every single person said that they were worried about the government changing the rules of the game because of what they saw during the eviction moratorium. Um, the eviction moratorium to them was, you know, people struggled, but landlords struggled too, and it was unfair, um, and a lot of landlords are getting out of the game because they're afraid that the government could step in at any moment and just say, you know, this belongs to this person now, or the rules are completely different, um, and that scares them, that, and that was overwhelmingly what they were afraid of or what they were worried about. Every single person I talked to, not worried about the economy not worried about bad tenants, worried about big government authority, like screwing them, basically, uh, because they were like this. They they saw the eviction moratorium as an overreach of power uh, that was unprecedented. And if they can do it, then they can do it again. Uh, I heard that a couple times, that specific line. Oh, right.
1: Um, and I mean, the interesting thing is a lot of these people are not small business owners. They're like medium to large size business owners. Is, is that right? I'm, I'm sure there's a huge mix of it, of people there people who had, you know, one or two investment properties or whatever. And then you had people who had like hundreds of them.
0: Yeah, there was, there was definitely like a couple people that just had one or two doors. And I would talk to people that had hundreds of doors in mul- in multiple States. So it was really all over the place. Um, and they had the, the, like, it's interesting because they think of themselves, some of them definitely thought of themselves as small business owners, uh, but a couple would start describing like what that meant. And like, you know, I have dozens of employees and I provide health care to them because I've got that number of employees and I have to. And they're like, oh, you know what? I am the big business actually in the area. There were kind of a couple that talked themselves into understanding that they were bigger. It was weird. It was like they'd never considered it they never considered that they weren't the little guy anymore, but you know, when you've got branded clothing that tells you that tells it, that announces to everybody like what real or what not real estate, but what, uh, what property management company you're a part of, and it's got your name on it like that. You're a bigger business than you think you are, you know? So right. yeah, the, 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 that myth of the independent landlord, I think didn't, didn't survive much scrutiny when you started talking to people about it.
1: Right. So I think we're going to keep covering this. Like this was a big feature. You went in, you spent a lot of time living among the landlords and and writing about them. But I do think that it's a really important thing for us to keep covering specifically because it's like landlords actually are pretty organized. They have, you know, different lobbying groups. Um, Many of them are sort of core to the NIMBY movement because they don't want more housing, uh being built near them because it could theoretically drive rents down um meanwhile we're we're entering what may be a recession or a bear market or or I'm not sure what's going to happen uh that's for a different podcast but it's like it's not clear to me that rents are going to go down um in the near term in fact they may go up as more people are priced out of homes in in the sense of like they're not able to pay increasing interest rates on homes um although Maybe we'll see some downward pressure on prices there. But I think in the short term, it's like probably more people are going to have to rent and we're simply not building enough homes. And I think it's like it's a labor issue. It's a tech issue because a lot of this organizing is happening online and sort of behind the scenes. There's a lot of stuff for us to FOIA and so forth. And then it's obviously like a wealth inequality issue. Um, So I think this is a really great piece. I'm very proud of it. Thank you for doing it. I want to end by asking you, what uh, what was your worst? What is the worst apartment you ever lived in, and was the landlord good or bad?
0: Uh, first, I want to answer Total Turtle's question, which you kind of did. Uh, if was anyone at the convention concerned about rental markets collapsing? Um, no, no, they were not. In fact, multiple people said this was a great business to be in right now because rents are just going to keep going up. Um, so that's, so there's that, uh, so the worst place I ever lived in weirdly that had a landlord weirdly had, it was a strange relationship. Okay. So North Texas is a very odd place in terms of all of this stuff. Uh, zoning is very loose and there's a lot of, but like HOAs have a lot of power if you live in an apartment complex, you're it's like, it's going to change hands between like rental management companies three times during the term of your lease. You're going to go down to the office and it's just going to be completely different people. You've never seen don't have a relationship with. Um, so there was that, but like the weirdest worst place I ever lived is I rented a, uh, a dilapidated McMansion with four the, or three other people uh, in North Texas. And the impression that I got was that the landlord had inherited it or had gotten it as a gift or something and lived in Boca Raton and didn't give a shit. Now this was good and bad uh, because it meant that as long as like he got his money on time, he didn't care what was happening there. Uh, But anytime anything happened to the house, it was on us. Like Basic repairs were not going to get done. Um, Any kind of problems with like the refrigerator. It was that all dealing with all of that was a nightmare. He was hands off uh, in a way that sucked. And (laughs) but like which is so strange because you end up in this horrifying relationship with this person where you don't want them in your life. But you have to give them money every month and then they don't uphold their end of the bargain. You know?
1: Yeah. Um, what, and you have very little recourse. And you,
0: there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do.
1: Take them to small claims court.
0: <laughs> yeah. What about you?
1: Uh, so I've had pretty good landlords for the most part. And by good, I mean they like were responsive to our needs uh, and charged like market rent, more or less. However... The first place that I lived in after college, I actually did live in student housing uh, that had just like millions and millions of roaches in it. It was horrible, but I was only there for a semester. Um, I lived in a group house with uh, five of my best friends uh, in Northern Virginia, and I actually loved living there because we were gross people and uh, the house was super fucked up and we had a lot of fun there and they're still some of my best friends. However, we had this landlord named Harry and our stove broke once and he came over and tried to insist that the stove was not broken. Uh, like the, the burner, it was a gas stove and the burners wouldn't turn on. And he pulls out like a huge wad of newspaper and lights it on fire in the kitchen and then holds it with his bare hand, like on the burners and it lights, but it also lights like all this huge, he put like a whole newspaper there. He's like, it's as easy as that. That's all you have to do. And we looked at him and we like, what the fuck are you talking about? We're going to burn your house down. And he was like, okay, I will get a new stove. <laughs> and so he did get a new stove. However, there was one other thing about that apartment. And, I lived in the basement. The basement flooded all the time, which is bad. We also had this thing called poop light, um, which was a light in the living room, a lighting fixture that was somehow directly connected to a specific toilet uh, in, on the second floor. And when you flush the, that toilet, some of the water from the toilet would flood into the lighting fixture and pool in this lighting fixture. Thus, we, like, stopped using that toilet, obviously. But uh, someone came over to a party and used it. And we had to empty the poop light. And it was one of the worst situations I have ever been involved in. Uh, We moved out (laughs) very soon after. Very, very soon after. But... uh,
0: Yeah, that's no good.
1: I I think Harry was probably a pretty bad landlord.
0: That's well that. So much of the impression that I got from from the landlords was, it, you know, they they had it on had a sign behind them, do less, make more, right? Put the minimum amount of effort in to get the maximum amount of returns. Get a bunch of college kids in your house. You're not going to have to worry about fixing a stove or changing out the poop light. Jesus.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Let's end it there, yeah?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a great note. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Sorry to all. Sorry to all for that. Uh, I'm Jason Kevlar, the editor of Motherboard. Uh, I'm here with Matt Gall, uh, your normal host and the author of Inside a Landlord Convention, where something, 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 I don't know the rest of the title, because the title on the site is actually Among the Landlords.
0: I think it's Inside the Landlord Convention where rents are raised and schemes are hatched
1: yeah beautiful beautiful check it out it's a really good piece matt worked really hard on it um thank you for listening thanks twitch for being here
0: and if you are listening to the podcast and want to see the twitch live uh go to motherboard or twitch.tv forward slash motherboard tv and hit that follow button thank you so much farewell